in Christ alone. And the enemy hates that. Like literally with a capital H, hates the name of Jesus Christ. And because that name has been applied to us as followers of Christ, he hates us too. Right? But here's the thing. Greater is he, Jesus Christ, who is in us than he who is in the world. And whether that's whatever is going on with you, sweet sister, that causes this in your life, or what, what's even the distraction, and oh no, now we'll look at the time, and I've got places to go, and, and I understand all that, um, do not, do not, do not let the enemy win. He has no place here. So I'm going to pray to that end, and then we're going to let our brother um, Evan read the word of God over us to get us back on target. Um, and then we will continue on, and we will continue to give glory to Christ Jesus, because that's why we're here today. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that, um, that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for those to devour, but he is a lion on a leash, and our lion is the lion of Judah who sits on the throne of God. He is the one who is worthy to take the scroll, the deed of all the earth, from the Father. He is the one who calls us his own. He is the one who indwells us. He is the one who has saved and sealed us. He is the one who has set us apart. He is the one who rose again to defeat death. He is the one who will return in glory. He is the one in whom our rest is found. So Lord, we are gathered here today solely to exalt the name of Christ. And we compel Satan and his demons from this place in that glorious name. We don't have the power to do that, but that name is more than powerful to do that. So Lord, in the name of Christ, I pray that you would focus our attention, our mind's attention and our heart's affection back onto you, that we would worship you in the next few minutes, praising you for who you are, for what you've done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, please stand for the reading of the Word of God. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you would, then you would receive it, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord, the, by the Lord your God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Acts 2, verse 37 through 41. Amen. Please be seated. Well done, Evan. Thank you, brother. Repent from your sins and return to God. Repent and return. You guys may be seated. I, um, that is the gospel message, basically. I want to ask you a question real quick um, as we're kind of getting ourselves resituated. How many of you, um, Catherine, you want to put up that slide? Um, how many of you have seen this? Let me, let me ask this. Let me ask this. Has anybody not seen this as a bumper sticker? Right? Nobody's ever seen this coexist as a bumper sticker. Now, like each of those is a symbol for a different um, religious system. Now, I understand that people that have that on their car 
or wherever they would have it, might actually be just from a, from a, from a supposedly um, good-natured attitude, might be trying to say, hey, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just love each other? Why does there have to be so much division? Here's the problem with that thinking, though. That problem with that thinking is every one of those belief systems professes that their, that their way of thinking is the right way of thinking. You cannot have opposing ways of thinking, all thinking they're the right way of thinking, and all get along. Let me just, let me just take it from, I'm not worried about the rest of them, just the one on the end, the cross, Christ. Guys, if we really believe what Jesus said, not what Doug said, what Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we really believe that, that's not possible. It just isn't. You cannot have those things together. Now, now I want to back up a step and say, I will tell you that as a fairly young believer, and I would say even, frankly, even for the first 15 years of my 20-something years of walking with Christ into my mid-30s, when I would see that bumper sticker, I would often think very not nice Christian things about the people that had it on their car. I would think, I would think you know, how could you be so not smart? How could you be so... Yeah, you get what I was really thinking, right? But then I had... But guys, here's what the Lord has done in my own life since then. I felt the same way. I mean, get this. I, I've, I share this all the time. It'll probably come out again in today's message. I was a God-mocking atheist for the first half of my 52 years. And yet, when I would see somebody with a fish symbol on the back of their car with the little feet coming out of it, right, for Darwinism, I would be thinking, this, how can you be so not smart? What's wrong with that? I was that person for 25 years. And yet, I have no compassion for the people that, that, that believe that that's possible. They're not necessarily, they're not doing it out of some evil thing. They're, they're just, they're, they can be sincerely wrong. Right? And we want to love them sincerely into what is truly the truth. So I share that to say, as we talk about solus Christus, in Christ alone, man, we, wanted, we, want, we, we are going to talk about that because it's what Jesus said. And I am the only way to salvation. That's it. There is no other plan. There's no other way. There are not many ways to God. There just aren't. Right, that if, that if Jesus is the way, then Buddha can't be. Right, if Jesus is the way, then Muhammad cannot possibly show people the way. That's just the, that's just the reality. We just have to take Jesus at his word or we don't. And what, what I'm hoping we do today is we see why, why can we have such a strong foundation? Not, not just in one verse in the Bible, but why can we have such a strong foundation in this idea of solus Christus. Because we're in this series called Summer in the Solas. We're looking at some of the fundamental doctrines of our faith. Why? Because we want to get better at helping train people to teach God's truth. We want you to not only know what you believe, and not only know why you believe what you believe, but actually be able to help other people understand it as well. And there are lots of people in the world professing faith in Christ that would look at that bumper sticker and go, I, I, they would say they're Christians, and they would say, but I can be a Christian, and I can believe this coexist idea. And I will tell you that, that it, scripturally, we just can't. Like, we cannot, but there, there, are, there are, and I'm not talking about the cults even. I'm not talking about people like Mormonism and, that have taken, like, just taken 
the gospel and, and, and moved far away from it. I'm talking about churches, big mainstream churches in America that are now saying, that are now like, de- they're denying things like substitutionary atonement. That, in other words, that, that Christ took our place on the cross, and if we don't believe that, like if, if, we, if we, that didn't really happen, we can't be saved. There are churches in America that are preaching Christ that are saying that didn't have to happen. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, well, how is that even possible? Like, how are we saved then? Well, the answer is we don't really need to be saved according to them because we're not really that bad. We're just a, we're just a little bit bad, and all we really have to do is is, is get together and talk a little bit about some good stuff, and the goodness will come out of us. That is just so far from the gospel. So as we're, as we're walking through this summer in the soul, as we've looked at in, or we looked at in, we are saved by grace alone, right? That was sola gratia. Say it with me, sola gratia. So it's by grace alone. So it's by the favor of God. And we talked not so much about what grace um, is, but we talked about like what grace does. And one of the things it does is it, is it not only saves us and seals us and sets us apart, but it sets us into the family of God. And then we did sola fide, sola fide. That's, so we were saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And we talked about how faith ultimately, in one word, what is faith? Believe. Believe. Thank you. Some of you guys were listening last week, right? That was last week, I think. So say by, we were by, by faith, so we were saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Today we're looking at solus Christus, solus Christus, in Christ alone. And then next week we're going to look at, Lord willing, we're going to look at sola scriptura, Sola Scriptura. So we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the Scriptures alone. According to what God's Word says. And, and I'm hitting this one hard because in Christ alone, through the Scriptures alone, are, gonna, are really meshed together. And we're going to see that today in what Peter tells us, not just in what Doug tells us. And then the last one is um, Soli Deo Gloria, which is Soli... Soli Deo Gloria, Soli Deo Gloria, for the glory of God alone. And we'll look at that in a couple weeks, Lord willing, in our new space, Lord willing, which would be an awesome time to actually talk about the glory of God. So God is even orchestrating that well. But we're sharing these five solos, these ideas, because they are, the, they are, they are some of the fundamental doctrines of our faith. Doctrine is not a bad thing, guys. That's, that's part of how the church, that mess I was talking about, the church, in, the, the, the church that is saying they're Christian, that is, that is denying like the atonement of Christ on the cross, they didn't start out doing that. They started out going, you know what, let's not talk about all this doctrine and why we believe what we believe, because doctrine divides. No, doctrine is what anchors you to what we believe. Like ultimately, all doctrine is, is it's, it's, tell, it's helping us understand what does this word tell us about what we say we believe. So what we have is a whole bunch of Christians out there who have no idea like what the word of God says, have no idea why they're even Christians, really, right? And so we, we don't want, we want to, when we talk about training people to teach God's truth, we're talking about training you to go teach the, even, especially those people what the truth of God's word really says. So today's message, like I said, is Solus Christus, and the, and the training thought for today is Christ Jesus is God's only plan of salvation. That's what the, that's what the term in, 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 in Christ alone means. So we're not going to talk so much about who Jesus is. We're not even going to talk so much about why Jesus is better. Like, I've done messages on that. We've, we went through Colossians. We talked about how Jesus is more beautiful and better than anything the world has to offer. Really what we're going to talk about today, because it's what Peter talks about in our passage, is 
Why are, like, how did Jesus fulfill the promises of God? How did he fulfill the promises of God? And we're going to see that he is God's story from the beginning, plan, or he is God's story planned from the, the beginning as surety for our, our salvation. And before we get, before you open up to Acts chapter 2, turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah is right almost in the middle of your Bible, towards the right half, of, I guess. If you go to the Psalms, if you open up your Bible in the middle, it's open to the Psalms, Proverbs. You start going to the right, you're going to get to Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Guys, I understand that some of you are going to be disappointed because you, you want a message about, in, about Jesus as being just the amazing Savior that he is. We have preached lots of messages like that. You, you'll hopefully hear that today, but that's not the focus of this message. But I wanted to start in a passage that does show Jesus as far more beautiful. Look at verse 1 of of Isaiah 53. Remember, Isaiah was written about 700 years before Christ came. And Isaiah was given this prophecy by God. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty, that, he, that we would look upon him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. If you haven't figured it out yet, he's talking about Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because ultimately this passage written 700 years before Christ is the beautiful picture of Christ that changed Peter's life, right? Peter doesn't become the man who denied Christ three times, that went, that went from denying Christ, you know, sticking his foot in the mouth, his mouth all the time. We saw that when we've gone through the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Mark, to the man who denied Christ three times, to the man we're going to see today, unless what we just read was, that was written 700 years before Christ was fulfilled in Christ. So with that, open up your Bible or turn to Acts chapter 2, So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts is the fifth book of your New Testament. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at our passage today. And we're going to see how Jesus Christ is God's only plan of salvation. And our first point is, he is God's glory story. He is God's glory story. So take a look. I'm just going to, I'm picking it up in verse 14 today. So Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Peter is now going to stand in front of the very people he denied Christ to not so very long ago. And he's going to say this. But Peter, standing with the eleven, because remember Judas is gone, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea who, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, which is 9 a.m., but this, which makes you wonder, like, when would that been, have been okay for them to have been like that? Like, it's too early to be drunk. Um, okay, how about don't get drunk? That's, that's, that's later. Paul writes that like, a few years later, so maybe Peter didn't know that story yet. But um, verse 6, that was completely white space, and you can ignore that. Um, 
But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he's going to quote parts of Joel 2, 28 through 32. You're going to read that this coming week in your daily readings. Remember, part of what we're doing here is we're, I, there's so much about solus Christus that cannot go into a 40-minute message. You're, the Holy, this, I have the same Holy Spirit you do. You have the same Holy Spirit I do. The Word of God will take the Spirit of God and transform the people of God into the image of the Son of God as you faithfully get into the Word. So one of your daily readings is Joel. And it's a prophecy about what's going to come. And here's what Peter... Now get this, guys. This is... I used to think, and I, and I had people wrongly teach people, well, Peter was a good Jewish boy, so he knew all the scriptures. That's simply not true, man. We so overinflate what it was like back in the... Peter was, Peter was a fisherman. He was a son of a fisher. I mean, like, he wasn't trained in the word of God. I mean, yes, did he go to synagogue as a good Jewish boy? Sure, but that'd be like saying, because I attend church every Sunday, I could quote scripture over and over. How, how many of you struggle to memorize scripture, honestly? Me too right? So did Peter. So what's the point of that? The point is this is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit who's just come upon him is now speaking through him and he's giving him this prophecy. And he says, in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. He's, he's pulling out what, what Joel talked about even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So he's saying, here's the prophecy. Here's one of, he, he is very intentionally, by the power of the spirit, is saying this is part of what God planned. What you're seeing happen right now, guys, as the church is being born, is what he's saying, is part of God's plan back in the book of Joel. He's saying, you've heard this before. But then he's saying, but guys, there's a point to this that you're missing. And the point is what he's going to get to next. And he says, he says in verse 19, And I will show you wonders in heaven above the signs of the earth and, the, and, and below blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And sun shall be turned to darkness and moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. And that's what Joel is about. It's about the great day of the Lord when, when Christ comes again. And it says, the great and magnificent day. And then in verse 21 it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's saying, guys... The point you're missing, and you're going to read about this this week too, is in Colossians chapter 1. The point is Christ is the, is the visible form of the invisible God. He's saying, guys, you know the scriptures, the Old Testament, but you've missed who the, the, the guy they were talking about, the guy Isaiah was talking about, the guy Joel was talking about. He was here, and not only did you miss it, but you killed him. And he's going to get there in just a minute. But I love how he says in verse 21, and I, and I can't let this pass. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Where have you heard that before? Romans 10, 17, I think. Maybe it's 10, 13. I don't know, look it up. Romans 10 something. It's Romans 10 something, yeah. So, it, guys, but here's, here's the cool part why I pointed out. Paul, who wrote, Peter didn't write Romans, Paul did. Paul wrote Romans 20-something years after this event happened. So here is Peter pulling out the same truth, because that, Peter didn't make this, this point up. Neither did Paul. That verse right there, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Guess who said that? Joel. The prophet Joel did. He said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved among those whom the Lord calls. 
He's saying, so, and Peter grabs a hold of that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul grabs a hold of that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what, he, what they're trying to do in, in making that statement is, is, one, convey a truth, that we need to confess Jesus as Lord, which is, that's 10.9, right? We need to confess Jesus as Lord, or 10.17. I can't remember. It's already been a long morning. Yeah, I know. So, so but ultimately what he's saying is he's saying, guys, the, the bottom line is this idea of salvation through Christ, through the Messiah, has been God's plan from the very beginning because it's what will bring God glory. So here's my question. The first table talk question on the back of your, um, of your connecting points is, is um, sorry, where is it? It's, oh, it's, do you see Christ as the center of every glory story? Do you see, because, because ultimately what Peter is doing here is he's, he is making Christ the center of the speech he's giving. My question is, like in your life, when something good happens to you, are you seeing Christ as the center of the glory story? Guys, when, when what just happened here, when our sweet sister had a fainting episode, are we, here's the, here was the best part of that to me. I looked around the room and I thought, these are people who see Christ as the center of the glory story. Like nobody here was running around going, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Why? Because like, okay, God's got a purpose in this. God's got a plan in this. Like we, like there's, there is, and we need to be on the lookout for what he's doing here, right? Because he is the glory story. So let's pick it up to our, our second point. So God is, or Jesus Christ is, our, is God's only plan of salvation because he's God's glory story planned from the beginning. So Peter's going to keep going in verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in the midst, in your midst, as, your, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, actually in the Greek, he says, this one, that, that one, the one I mentioned a minute ago, the, the one that, that I'm referring to out of the Old Testament prophets, the one that you saw that walked among you, the one that, oh, by the way, you killed, that one delivered up according to the, was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Understand this, guys. The cross was not a mistake. We do not need to apologize for the cross. We don't need to apologize about God putting his son on the cross. He did it on purpose. Why? Because it's the only way we're saved. Without the cross, Christianity is pointless. Like, literally. Because that's what everything points to. And yet we want to somehow take that away because it just sounds so harsh. Because we have to start with sin. And sin means you have to be judged for that sin. And judgment then leads to, well, we need, we need some way of reconciling that judgment. Okay, so then God is going to punish his own son. Man, all that just sounds so hard. Can't we just skip all that and just get to the love stuff? Right? The answer is no. That's, that's what all those other belief systems want to do. Right? They want to just get to that piece of it. Or they want to tell you, no, you are, there is judgment, but, but you have to work yourself out of that debt. What Christianity says is, no, there is judgment, but you don't have to work yourself out of that debt because Christ did it, right? That's the difference. Now, I love this. He keeps going. Well, let me back up a step here. Why, why do we do that? Like, why, why, do we, why, why do we have this propensity to want to, to skip all that other stuff, just get to the love stuff? Why do we even have the propensity to not make Christ the center of the gospel? Pride, because we want to be the center of the gospel. 
Like, I, God loved me, man. It's, it's this whole idea, man, it's just me and Jesus. As long as me and Jesus, as long as I'm down with Jesus and Jesus is down with me, I'm good to go. That, guys, the, the problem is that we have, inter, we have interjected or put, or put ourselves into God's story way more than we should have. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his son. His, part of his motivation for sending his son was, was because he loves you. He loves you, Jesse. He just does. I know you know that. Right? It's, he does. I get it. But that's not his only motivation. His motivation is he loves his creation and he wants it redeemed back to himself. And he loves his son. The creation was lost to his son at the fall. He wants that back. The only way to get it back was to put his son on a cross. It was a gift to his son. Yes, it's a gift for us too. But it was a gift to Christ. But, but here's, the, here's the, the biggest danger to us interjecting ourselves into our salvation story. If it begins with us, and I don't mean, you know, I don't think anybody in our church would say, I, I, I saved myself. But if it begins with us, like, man, God just so loved me. It's me, me, it's all about me. It usually ends with us, too. Because here's what happens. Once I feel like I'm down with Jesus, once I'm good, I'm in, I don't need to do anything. I, I'm, I don't, I don't, there's, no, there's no call to share. There's no call to community. There's no call to anything. Because if, if all of Christianity is just this and none of this, man, that's, that's an easy, that's easy believism, frankly. Right? And the call to Christianity calls us to something, and Peter's going to get to that too if I can get there. So let's keep going. In verse 24, he says, God raised him, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. But David says, according to him, now he's going to quote some more Old Testament. He's going to quote, quote Psalm 16. Again, you're going to read Psalm 16 this week. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also d will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let your Holy One see corruption. Guys, he is quoting David in, the, in Psalm 16 word for word. He kind of tweaks it a little bit here. He just simplifies it. You have made known to me, kind of like me going Romans 10 something. That's, this, is Peter going, this is Peter going Psalm 16 something. You have made known to me the path of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. It actually says in, in Psalm 16, 11, it says, You have made known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forever. Paul just, or Peter just simplifies it. But let's keep going. It says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Here's why he's saying that. The Jewish people thought that Psalm 16 was about David. They're saying, when, when David's talking about this whole idea, you won't, you won't let the Holy One go, undergo decay, they thought the Holy One was David. But, Dave, but, but Peter's like, David was dead. We have a tomb for him. Right? You guys walk by it all the time. He's like, David died. He says, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God was sworn with an oath to him that he would not set one of his descendants on his, thro set one of his, descendants on his throne, he foresaw, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Guys, I don't have time to go into it all, and I didn't have time before. But here's the, here's the cool part about it. Peter is pulling from the word of God. He's, not, he's pulling from Psalm 16. He, he's going to pull from Psalm 110, Psalm 132. He's actually, he's actually alluding to the promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. In 2 Samuel 7, God makes the promise to David. He says that you're not building the temple, but I've got a bigger promise for you. Because from you, 
is going to come my Savior. It's why at the end of the book in Revelation, the end of the book for you guys, at the end of the book in Revelation, what does Jesus say? I am the root and descendant of David. He, Jesus is connecting that promise all the way back. Peter is connecting this promise in 2 Samuel 7. And, and you remember David's response was, who am I and what is my family that you have brought me this far, O oh God? David understood what the promise was about. It wasn't about Solomon. It wasn't about the temple. He'd seen much greater things in his life. He's, it, it was about, he's like, man, who am I that I get to be worthy of being in the seed, like being in the lineage of the Savior of the world? But guys, it's also all these Old Testament verses that he's pulling from. It's why, and it goes back to that connection of sola scriptura, according to scripture alone next week. It's why, and I loved how during our prayer time, Scott prayed, again, without even knowing this is what the connection I was making in my notes or in my mind. Guys, it's, it's why we have to stay so anchored to the promises of God. It's why we have to stay so anchored to the word of God. Because the minute we start to, yes, I get that he talked about dreams and visions and stuff, but the minute we start to be led by those as opposed to by this, there's a lot of damage that can be done. Just ask the Mormon church. The entire Mormon church is founded on one man's vision. That's how, and they profess faith in Christ. That's how sideways that can go. And, and guys, most of what Mormons believe, not all, but most of what Mormons believe, you could back up in Scripture. So you can't just go, well, as long as I can take my vision and make Scripture support it, it must be true. We have got to stay focused on this, right? It does not mean that we also need the Holy Spirit. We, all, we do. We need him guiding us and directing us and illuminating our hearts. And, but, but we have got to stay focused on the word. And it's why we're being so serious about training people to teach God's truth. Guys, in your, in your bulletin, there was a, we've passed this out before. And thank you to Debbie Simpsons for making it work again on somehow getting this printed for me. But this is just some of the, of the many promises that Jesus fulfills in the Old Testament. Just some of them. This is Peter's point. Peter is saying, guys, the reason he is the only way is because he is the only one who, could, who ever fulfilled all of these promises that God promised. None of those other belief systems say that. None of those other belief systems can say that. Some of Islam is grounded in our, hist our, like our historical narrative of the Bible. But it, the, the problem is it doesn't, in any way, shape, or form, show that, that Muhammad was the one who fulfilled the promises of God. Only Jesus could do that. Right? That's the difference. So let's keep going. He says, Then Jesus, then Jesus God raised up, and all, that, and all of us were witnesses, before being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So he's saying, guys, Based on God's word, Joel, the prophecies, all those, and what you see happening right now and the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon your people, this is, what you're, this is what you're witnesses to. For David did not ascend from heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. So he's making that point. Of, even David believed in the coming Messiah. Until, until I make an enemy a, a footstool for your feet. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has, both, has made him both Christ and, I'm sorry, has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. I'm going to read that again because it's 
that important. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah, that Jesus, this Jesus whom you crucified is the Messiah. He is the one who was prophesied about all these times and fulfilled all those prophecies. He is the Savior of the world. Guys, look at your second table talk question. In what ways does God's unfolding plan of salvation through the countless promises of Christ give you confidence today? In, in other words, in, in what ways does knowing that Jesus fulfilled all the promises of God, how does that give you confidence? Because that sounds really cool. This, like you can read this list and go, man, this is truly amazing. Like it really is when you think, I mean, people have done the math of like what the probability of, of a person just doing this, and it's not. It's like ridiculously small, like .0001% or something small of the possibility that somebody just by chance fulfilled all those promises. Right? They've done that math. Google it. Not now. I'm preaching. But, but guys, how, because some of you would do it right now, and then you post it on Facebook, and so don't do it right now. But the, guys, how do... That's all wonderful. To know that he is, and I'm just going to read these things. I pulled these out. So to know that God's plan of salvation is the Messiah, the Christ, who is the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the prophet like the prophet unto Moses, the priest after the order of Melchizedek, the virgin son Emmanuel, the anointed one, the messenger of the covenant. Guys, I could go on and on. These are just some of the, to, how does that help you today? Because Scott praying about you know, clinging to the promises, how, but how does it is, is, is wonderful, but, but how does it really help you when you walk out the door and get smacked in the face? When, when you have another fainting spell, when you, whatever it is, like how, how, what do you do then? That's where, that's where we need these moments to be, like to not just have it be like, oh yeah, I, okay, I know, I know God's promises are true, I know they all fulfilled in Christ, to get them from here to here. Because we're all going to have those moments. We're going to have those moments where we're shaken, where, where we're starting to doubt, where we're wondering where God is, guys, and we have to be anchored. Like you just, and, and you need other people to help you be, stay anchored because that anchor starts to slip sometimes, right? So, so to me, my answer to that question is I have to find ways, like how does, to the table talk question, is I have to find ways to remind myself of how he has fulfilled promises, even in my own life. Right? It's why I journal, because I can look up on my shelf and I can see 32 journals that have been filled with my conversation with God. And I can go, man, either all of that was a lie, or God's going to get me through this. Right? Like, find ways to remind yourself of the promises of God. All right, our last point. So, he is God's his God's glory story planned from the beginning as surety of our salvation. And surety simply means, there's two, like, there's two definitions I wrote down for surety. These are, out of the, these are out of the dictionary, actually. Surety just means a person who is sure. Like, a, like, like you're sure about something. Like I, am, like, I am sure that Jesus is God's plan of salvation. The other is a person, I, I wrote this down, a person who takes responsibility for another person's performance. So when I say he is our surety for our salvation, I mean the second one more than the first one. Yes, we need to be sure that he is the Christ, but we also need to recognize he is the one who has taken our place for our performance, for our poor performance. And this last point goes quickly, and the music team's going to come up. We're going to have our time to respond here in just a minute. 
In verse 37, it says this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So they heard the word of God and it convicted them. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. To those who received his words, so those who received his words were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's revival, people. That's revival. Peter gives another speech in, ver- in chapter, 12, chapter 4, verse 12. He says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name on heaven. There is no other name given among men by which we may be saved. There is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name given among men by which we may be saved. It is only through the name of Christ. Guys, the question becomes, do we believe that? Guys, do you really believe? The music team's going to come up, if you would, and, um, and the communion trays are going to get passed out, and I'll, and I'll share a little bit more about verse 39 as we take communion together. But guys, do you really believe? Like, down deep in your soul, believe that, that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and has done what he said he did and will come again to finish the job. And, and if we believe that, why in the world would we not tell other people about that? Right? Like we, you, want, you want motivation for telling, talking to people about Jesus? It, it ought to just be innate in who we are because of what he has done for us. If we really believe he is the only way to salvation, and everybody that doesn't know that and doesn't believe that spends eternity in hell, then, man, we should be compelled to tell people about Christ. Right? We should be, guys, and we should do it in a way that is loving and caring and at the same time passionate. Right? The gospel is not, guys, get this, the gospel is not good rules. Don't preach Christ like, hey, guys, here's what you need to do to get right with God. The gospel is good news. We've, for too long in the church, we've preached, we've preached Jesus as good rules. Just live better than the culture and you'll be okay. And that is water down the gospel. It's good news. It's good news about what? It's good news about the fact that God did what only God could do. It's good news about who? Not about you. Right? It's good news about him. So just tell people about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Um, I do thank you for this day. I thank you for the fact that from the, from the moment we walked in here today, you have been orchestrating all of the events of today. And so, Lord, um, I know, and just in my own soul, it has been for your glory. Lord, that you have revealed things in my own heart to me about how I have not handed you enough of my life. And I know that's true because, frankly, 
I worry too much about telling other people about you. I worry too much about whether I'm doing the right thing or not. I, wor- I just worry too much. So Lord, help us as your people to not only say that we believe, but to show that we believe by just letting go. By just, by just seeing you in front of us every step of the way and living lives that are walking to you. And as we do that, people will see where we're heading. And as they, and as they look to see where we're heading, they'll see you. And then we can just say, hey, come follow me. Come on. Come follow me and see where I'm going. That they might also know that you are way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we do believe. Help our unbelief. In Jesus' name.